Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. It's game day at Raising Canes. If you want to order like a champ, it's action off the field you need to focus on. The only play you're running is chicken. So what combo are you picking? Make it a perfect season. We've got tailgates of hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade. All available to order online or on our app. This season is about to be unbeatable. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. (laughs) This is a knife. What are you looking at? Don't look at a boy jumping there. You're mad, you bastard. Far am you. Far am you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash. All right? Cash, no. Robbo? No cash. Swear to Christ, Liz, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Whoop Whoop. culture unity reviews and banter this podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the wajak people of perth region and pay respects to their elders both past present and emerging apologies for the the uh, audio quality on this particular episode uh it is very hot at the moment as australia is currently uh literally on fire uh, so i have air conditioners and fans on and panting dogs in the background and then when i get to the actual interview itself we did the interview at betty's in Inalu uh, while we were screening off coco a red dog story was screening now i interviewed the second time i've interviewed aaron mccann and dominic pierce i interviewed them back in 2017 when top knot detective first came out and I absolutely loved that film then and you know what I love this film even more I, I'm a huge fan of this film in fact I did my uh, top uh, Australian films of the year for 2019 list just this uh, week a couple of days ago and Coco Red Dog Story easily came in at number two this is a fantastic film it was only trumped by a film which I've absolutely loved throughout the whole entire year it all started with a stale sandwich I'm going to do an episode on that particular list a little bit later on in the week But this film, Coco, A Red Dog Story, it's the third film in the Red Dog series uh, following from Chris Tender's 2011 film, Red Dog, and then I think it was in 2016 off the top of my head, Red Dog True Blue, which I absolutely loved. And in fact, I thought it was better than the first one. I absolutely loved the first one and loved the second one even more. And you know what? I've loved the third one even more. This is the kind of film that, you know... I'm impressed to say that uh, now I have a new film that I'll be able to say alongside Paddington 2 as being a film that is better than the original. Uh, Coco Red Dog story is exactly that. It is better than the first one. It's better than the second one. And given how great they were, it's a pretty high achievement for that to occur. I I love this a lot. Um, But unlike the other last two films... um, Unfortunately, Red Dog, uh, uh, Coco, a Red Dog story. Apologies, um, is coming out in a you know an increasingly stacked marketplace. Unfortunately, having a look at the calendar year for this year or next year, uh, it's very hard to find a place for this kind of film to uh, get a release. And so, it's even more important to head along and go and see this film this weekend. Uh, Go and support it because it is a film that I absolutely loved and it's a G-rated film. We don't usually get very many Australian G-rated films or G-rated films in general. Usually they're PG uh, with a little bit of violence or swearing or something like that. Uh, This is a G-rated 
B-rated film. It is fun for the whole entire family. Um, I coined the term in my uh, review that it is a dogster piece. Uh, it is a masterpiece about dogs, basically. And you know what? If you love dogs, you're going to love this film. And if you love films, you're going to love this film too. Uh, I, I think that you're going to be hard-pressed to not find yourself grinning and wiping away tears of laughter and excitement and sadness as well. There is a little bit of sadness in this film. Um, it is a red dog film after all. You're going to be hard-pressed to not be laughing and crying during this film. Um, you know, it's an absolute treat. And you know what? It's an absolute treat to be able to talk to Aaron and Dom about this, this film as well. They are ultra-passionate about movies, uh, you know, and they're ultra-passionate about Australian cinema and making films and, and culture as well. And, look, I, I know that this is a very... I'm trying to keep this as family-friendly as possible, but I, I do want to mention, you know, today the government uh, decided that the... Um, arts department basically for the the federal arts department didn't need to exist anymore and obliterated it and put it into uh took away its funding and moved it into a different area uh and not having one dedicated person uh focusing on it which is really frustrating because you know without uh you know without federal funding and without state funding a lot of australian films wouldn't exist and you wouldn't get your red dog films uh you wouldn't get your uh, top end wedding films and things like that um, which is really sad it's really really upsetting to see that and we need more positive films like this out in the world and we need to show that they are valuable and important and hence why I, I keep on encouraging people please go and see this opening weekend take your family along uh, there are going to be Q&A screenings in Perth this weekend and as Aaron says at the end of the interview uh, if you're over east and you want to run a screening and have them come across for a Q&A or anything like that please they're more than welcome to come across. Uh, they would they'd love to fly across uh, if you pay for their ticket, of course. Um, but if you you know fly them across to do a Q and A screening, they would love that too. Uh, it would be fantastic. But the the core thing is head along to go and see this film. Talk about it. Share it on social media that you went and saw this film. It has an absolutely beautiful poster as well with a lot of uh, fan photos of dogs and and people with their dogs on there as well. Um, it's just a real treat of a movie, people. I love this film a lot, and uh, I'm going to be doing my end-of-year list uh, in a couple of weeks after December is wrapped up, so it'll be in the first week of January that will be out. And I can guarantee you that Coco, Red Dog Story, is going to feature very, very highly. I love this film a lot, and I love this interview too. Let's have a listen to the trailer and be back with that interview. 99% of directing is casting. If you haven't cast the film right, there's no amount of direction you can do to save yourself. Okay, uh, Coco, I'd just like to try a couple of expressions, you know, just want to sort of just see where we can take them. Now, Coco, try, try that little snarl. Ooh, the snarl's great. Fantastic. Let's try a really concentrated look where you're really concentrating. Good. Now, why don't you try the confused look? Great. Try it the other way. You are a red dog. Yeah, it's great. Len! Len, they want to have him in the movie! <gasps> Coco! Fantastic. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining me uh, again to discuss your another film that you guys have done. Thanks. A very unexpected Thanks. film. <laughs> very. Um, <laughs> I guess, I mean, the first question I want to ask uh, is how on earth do you guys find yourself directing a red dog movie? Like, I know that sounds like I'm being mm. like, you no, just, no, you, no, you just did two people who I did not expect. 
to be directing we did not expect where, where to, where <laughs> to people who didn't expect yeah. it I think it, so it was basically it was after Revelation in Perth I think Nelson Wass who's the producer of the original Red Dogs and Red Dog True Blue and owned he, Coco yeah and he owned Coco uh, he had seen um, Top Knot mm. and kind of really liked the, the style of it and, and the, the documentary sort of aspects to it and he asked to kind of for us to come in do a meeting and basically he gave us this pitch of an idea of like I want to do a doc on Coco and I want to kind of have it about his life story and I want it to kind of be like a being there about the dog so how could we do that we have this amount of existing archival footage and this amount of existing sort of previous interviews that we've done we'd love you just to kind of like look at it see if there's anything there and then come about for a pitch so myself and John looked at it and went over you know back and forth and we're like oh you know we're in our 30s and you know we didn't have yeah we didn't have kids at the time (laughs) and we're like you know we want to do a film that we'd like to do so let's sort of do top knot for for what was essentially an the untitled coco project yeah so we put a pitch together that was sort of like so out there that it was crazy, which a lot of it didn't end up on screen, but it's like, um, <laughs> admittedly. But we put this pitch together and we presented it and it, that was kind of off the back of that, we kind of got running. It was like, yeah, we'd love you to, to do it. And then we sort of spent a year polishing off the, the sharp, sharp, bitter, cynical edges <laughs> to this thing to turn it into something a little bit more sweet and understandably sweet because like we are you know both very cynical at heart and, mm. and yeah well that I think that's what surprised me sorry I'll let, I'll let you, but that that lack of I mean there is a bit of cynicism in there but it's it's a very childhood cynicism yeah yeah we um, we okay we it was sort of like how would we PGify yeah. My sense of humor and Dom's sense of humor, yeah. which is very crass and bold, and we we like there's a, 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 so much of a lack of blood in this film <laughs> that that makes me go, I wanted blood, yeah, I wanted yeah. so much blood. <laughs> we, 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 but, yeah. we, we we did have a Cujo trailer remake in the script at one yeah. point. There was so, like a full fledged remake of the Cujo trailer, but with a kelpie smashing through the. So all spoilers, since you know, if you haven't seen the film, I'm going to stop it right now and like go say <laughs> see the film. But there was a point where the Mad Max joke wasn't in there, and it was originally James Wan was going to be doing a remake of Cujo, right. and we had we were basically going to do a scene where the dog is on the car, but the dog is is Coco, and we were going to film it and make it fun and wild and interesting and hopefully get an interview with James Wan and then that very much ended up on a cutting room floor but it was one of those like yeah. that was us going like ah, that's what I want to I really want to do yeah yeah I think well I think like there's the like there's, there's the offensive and cynical stuff that runs in our sense of humor but also just I think we, we just movies um, and there was there's, there's a part of that big cinema dream in the previous films as well like kind of in the second one it's kind of got this like Wonder Years-esque or no, a Princess Bride-esque yeah. kind of like storytelling motif. So it's already kind of gone in meta territories. Yeah, he, yeah. When he, when he saw Top Knot, he was just like, he'd been trying to get the project up, I think, for a, for a couple of years. Yeah. Like after after the rapid success of the dog um, and the film and everything, he was just you know had this idea, and um, I think they, they didn't really know how to write a mockumentary or mm-hmm. say or like how you would deconstruct a film enough to be able to put together something like that and that's that's where yeah. we came in I kind of remember but even Creve before he started on the first one was yeah. making Dark Country and, yeah. and yeah. you know Australia Day the other Australia Day because he yeah. made two films called Australia Day <laughs> um, so yeah I mean yeah 
Yeah. Well, it's it's just a fascinating film in a lot of ways because there is so much love in there, and it's just it didn't feel like the natural progression, of course. From you say there were unlovable people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for people oh, yeah. who, yeah, oh. you can't see this. I'm currently cornered in a booth. I put myself in this position, um, but we cornered him in the yeah. booth. <laughs> Tell me you love me, Andrew. <laughs> but yeah, it's just there is such a like there is an affection in this film for dogs and for cinema um, that feels genuine, and yeah. that's got to be really hard to transfer across onto film with uh, you know authenticity or believability well I mean I've had dogs all my life yeah. and probably the hardest thing when you're growing up is that there is that time when your dog passes away and mm. it's the hardest thing when you're a kid and I've gone through many dogs and at the point when we were doing this we kind of lost our last family dog and it was like oh you know like that's it takes so much kind of out of you mm. and you had just gotten something. yeah so uh, when we were kind of in how early? I'm trying to remember exactly when we got. 2017. Um, we're definitely writing 18. it. Definitely like in the early stages of pre-production. But uh, my partner and I, uh, we adopted a rescue dog named Ziggy. He used to live out in the goldfields, and I love Ziggy. She's great. She's really dumb, and she's <laughs> she's really full on. She's a lot better now. We've actually got proper training. But when we first got her, it was just it was a lot more. I think the dog had been bitten through a lot more trauma than the RSPCA or the previous owners had led us to believe, and so we're actually finding a bit of a struggle at first. So it's kind of this weird situation where I'm in the other room all day and we're kind of jamming ideas about just how awesome and innately, you know, unique this relationship with dogs is, and then going home and just going, oh god, and like being massively allergic to animals. But I still get it though. Like I've had pets my entire life, and I don't. To to be honest, the Dom owns two snakes, just so hypoallergenic. (laughs) because they don't have any hair um, it's great they don't do anything and then once a month you feed them a whole animal and they tear it apart it's, it's, it's just it's good it's a satisfying pet relationship <laughs> but um, yeah like, like to, to, be, to be honest the emotional core of the film is kind of one of the easier parts in this mm. because everyone's sure. got a dog like, like I think it's more of a challenge trying to make people relate to like a, like a, like a rich spoiled drunken Japanese celebrity as opposed it is to like humanising a relationship with a dog like it's I think it's something yeah. everyone can relate to and project onto well everyone's had a pet at least yeah. whether it's been a yeah. dog or not and you've, you've had and that you do relationship. build these bonds you know? yeah. and that's, that's and dogs too definitely it's like this big sort of yeah. you know it's a back and forth yeah. like bond between them so. Yeah. so you've gone from like an action film in a lot of ways and really expertly done too like it's it's it is, you know, for, for the budget that you guys had, which was not much, you managed to make a really, really impressive-looking Aussie action film in Top Knot Detective. Um, and that's obviously not what it's uh, predominantly billed at, but you did a great job with it. Uh, trying to dig myself out a whole bit here, but you... Dig yourself out of the booth. Yeah. <laughs> but you then go and work with animals. Mm. How do you... And, like, one of the things which I love about the meta-nature of, of this film is you have... You know, spoiler alert, unfortunately Coco is no longer with us and Coco's playing a dog who is also no longer with us. So you have a dog playing Coco playing another dog. How do you how do you even you get, get you, you know, get Saley Bullen. Yeah. Saley is the dog trainer yeah. in Red Dog True Blue. Right. Um, she's amazing. She has like you, 
like saying a Doctor Doolittle kind of like, yeah, farm. Do, yeah, Doctor Doolittle esque ranch out uh, in the in, in Queensland. The, in Queensland, yeah. And she's an extunty. Um, so I mean, she's amazing with animals, and yeah. and she she basically started training up this young Kelpie called Hero mm-hmm. um, for the film, and we just didn't we had no idea what had to kind of go into dog training or working with animals. Yeah, but there is a very regimented sort of like what what Creve says in the film. There's these regimented sort of lists of yeah. things that you have to do because you can have a dog and. And they're your best friend, and you might see these great facial kind of moments in it. But mm. in a film, you're constructing that out of out of yeah. commands and things that you know. If you want a dog to wince or look a certain way, you have to kind of like make a noise that's that's quite loud near it, so it it yeah. backs away. And out of context, it feels like the dog is reacting to something yeah. off screen. Yeah, and everything is very much out of context. And a lot of the stuff that we like doing is about out of context. Like mm. most of our interviews, we're using pieces out of context. So it was a really interesting sort of process of seeing, you know, how to work with the dogs. But yeah. she's she was so amazing, and basically without her, we wouldn't have been able yeah. to make the film. Yeah, and because we couldn't train an animal with no, try no idea. And I and so. I, I can I can imagine the challenge now of making a film with animals where you don't have an incredible trainer. Like it, it was great. We like we, we we had lofty ambitions for you know certain things, and we had great plans, and we'd worked on it for months. And then once we actually finally got the dogs into town, um, yeah, you know, we had to revise that stuff pretty quick because we kind of got our heads around you know how best to work for them. But um, saying I was talking to Aaron earlier this morning, I was saying it was actually weirder. One of the easier parts of the film funnily enough like the mm. dogs so it was definitely a challenge per se mm. but um like there's the stuff with the dogs almost felt easier sometimes just yeah. because of, of you know how well trained the stuff they could do and I think the other thing I found interesting was just like the puppies know. weren't trained though the puppies no, the puppies, no the puppies, just like straight, the puppies yeah. you basically put them in a box and they look yeah. cute yeah, yeah. which, like, is, which is just, good because yeah. the crew just shut down the moment they were on set yeah. like everyone's just like cool. if you ever want to shut a film set down just bring, bring a whole a box, box of puppies <laughs> yeah everyone's just like nothing happens for hours while people like like yeah. ovaries explode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Explodey aries. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. It was good. It was good. Dogs are good. We, uh, I think, yeah, we would have loved more time with them, I think, in free to like, really get our heads around it. But, um, but yeah, we, like, we, had, we had a lot of fun. I think, that, I think they've done well. Yeah. Okay. So the interview part of it, because it's... <laughs> I, I have issues with the term mockumentary because I don't think that this is a mockumentary such. It is a documentary. Mm. You are but you are presenting things in a jovial manner. So how do you deal with, like when you're sitting down to interview Creep Stenders or you know, Carol Hobday or you know, Nelson, and those scenes are intercut with the, the fictionalised stuff, how do you manage to balance the tone? How do you get them to present their story in the tone that you're aiming for? Well, we did the interviews three, four months before yeah. we started shooting the yeah, film. And yeah. we, we had a few interviews with people previously in the archive that we, we had to, to play with. Yeah. So it was sort of like going, oh, I really love that kind of pull quote and I really love this sort of thing that they've said here. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to kind of like write a script that's kind of going to get sure. a similar response out of, out of people. But mm-hmm. we told them very much up front, like we want you to be super honest and open and, and tell us your story, but know that there's going to be certain things that we're going to use out of context for like comedic purpose. Mm-hmm. Out of, I mean, Carol, we just wanted like her story. Yeah. Hers was, you know, that's the largest portion of the film that we had to kind of like reconstruct because that's where no one was really filming the dog because they had no idea that the dog was going to become as big as it was. Yeah. So Carol's story was really, it was like five, six hours of sitting down with Carol and really getting a whole life story and, and hearing everything about her. 
Grieve was totally on board from the beginning to sort of like do whatever we wanted. He got and it. He was, yeah, and he was a great sport. And there was so many times within the film, like Creep is allergic to dogs, but we pushed like the, the allergies in, in certain ways. He came up with the name of the supporting dog, Kamir. Um, so it was like, which was his. Spoiler his, alert. Yeah, yeah. Kamir is a fabrication. Yeah. Kamir is a fabrication. Because <laughs> it's a stupid thing to um, call the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I, we were just like sitting there being like, what's another name for a dog, Creep? And he just gave us that and was like, Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but then there was great. Like we 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 would tell him like, hey, get this. Like the dog got to be in um, in Fury Road. Okay, now talk about that for five minutes. So then he would talk about like meeting because he has met George Miller. But you like he like George Miller didn't ask for the dog to be in the film. But let's kind of like work in a, in reality. But that and and that kind of moment also sounds believable enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's the great thing about directors, they're fantastic liars. Yeah. It's literally the core of our profession. So it's, like it's emotional it's, manipulation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's easy enough to run with. Yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. Carol Carol was a very raw experience, it was really just getting her to talk about the dog. And Nelson was the last person we interviewed because Nelson is closest to Coco and and Coco became Nelson's dog. So there was always like a tricky sort of subject because mm. that's where we knew it would get you know, it's it's a heart kind of rendering moment. Mm. And especially even talking with the dog passing with Carol, it was like they're, they're hard sort of things to navigate. So you need time. So it was like lots of soft, soft, soft questions for the first yeah. hour. Yeah. And then it was like we're gonna ask, you know, tough mm. questions. But that was a very small crew of like yeah. four people. And then a couple of months go by, and then we make the film. Yeah. yeah. It, was part, it essentially became part of the scripting process. We we wrote the initial idea for the film, formulated the avenues we wanted to go down with the interviews, interviewed the people, and then from their interview answers, we kind of worked the script backwards. And then we spent a year editing. Yeah, as as you do with false documentaries. Yeah. So much, so much construction. Or real documentaries. Or real, yeah. We're just documentaries in general. It's a very difficult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They're all difficult. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in that regard, like, is this your is this your style that you're going to be sticking with? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. No, no. no. That is a straight up no. no. It, it's like you know we had done a very different way when we did Top Knot because everything was constructed. Yeah. So there wasn't any real documentary sort of elements within this. Like, this is... It's a narrative feature film, but we are using documentary conceits to yeah. form a story. But there's, like, many documentary elements which are true, and we don't want to, we don't want to like, really stamp on anyone's actual feelings or their real true-life story about it. We really had to, like, honour a life of a dog and but talk about him as if you were doing, like, a biopic on Marlon Brando. You know, it's like, okay, well, let's, like, talk about an actor who was... You know who was alive, and now let's kind of like yeah. ask you questions about that. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah. become a legend. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. like, and some stories will always form this different thing that isn't necessarily the truth, and it's a lot of misremembered stuff. But we knew there would be misremembered things that we we'd push in. That, ha- uh, that happened with those core interviews. Yeah, like, like people remembered events differently. Like Carol remembers things differently to Creed, that remembers differently to, to Nelson. Like it, it, that's kind of where legend comes from. That gap in between, like you know, everyone's personal. And it has been like truth. ten years or whatever since they yeah. made the first it's been film. A long time. So there was certain things that people remembered wrong, but it's funnier that they remembered them wrong because it's like, well, now that's fact, right? Yeah. Yeah. Top, top, yeah. Top, top Knot was great because it was just kind of almost the best way to tell that story to steep, just, just, to, to steep the story based in things that are so familiar to people I like the challenge of this film of trying to take mm. the same approach but like applying it to real things uh, that, that, that made for curious new middle ground just because yeah. it's like unlike the universe of Takashi Takamoto where we were gods 
here we were we were beholden to actual real world ramifications. So I think that was yeah. an interesting area to play with. We can Next do anything is, we wanted in Top Knot, yeah. and this we had a very particular yeah. Yeah. set of rules. Yeah. Yeah. Next, next one we want to go full narrative. Like it's yeah. like it's we're not we're not the, the like I'm, I'm we've completely and utterly dismantled the process of making a narrative now. single shot World War One. Yeah. Fantastic. Like, yeah, in French. Like yeah. in yeah. French. Look out, Sam Mendes. <laughs> With a dog as the central character. Actually, that was like... Okay, so so side story. All right. So initially we were coming up with like what happened with Red Dog. And this will like spoil like whatever, but it's like it'll come out whenever Let's it comes out. Movie. So there was, a, there was a point where Red Dog was going to be a hundred million dollar film and that was going to be the first Australian 100 million dollar film and we're basing that off what people were saying in interviews and we're like oh we're grabbing these little pull quotes so our idea was to basically present the previs and just show the previs that they had done for this movie which was like set during like World War World. 2 in Darwin where the dog became a robot and like four people <laughs> yeah. as you can see this never made it yeah. into the film but that was very much our sensibility to like show a a previs and if you haven't seen a previs it's basically yeah. just drawings like on, yeah. on a paper it's animated because we knew we'd never have the budget to do it properly yeah. So, but you could show these crappily animated things and be like oh that's what they wanted to do but they lost a lot of money and then they ended up making the film that they did which turned out better but yeah. it was originally going to be that but those were the things that, like, during the entire process of it and during the making of this this thing, it was, like, starting with a larger idea and, like, mm. coming down to something that is family-friendly and yeah. and, but, and interesting. But, for, for what, but still for, has our humour in it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, I think that was, that was definitely the challenge. Our, our sense of humour is very specific. And it's very, mm. very reference-based, and we like that, but that is also a very narrow field of comedy for a lot of people. Someone, I think I was talking to AJ, the mm. cinematographer, who's a friend of ours, lives with, lives with Aaron, and shot in Top Knot Detective. But um, remember, like, kind of like months after we'd finished. Sorry, months after we. <laughs> sorry, I'm just projecting. I'm either going to like clip it or uh, months months after um, uh, finishing Coco. It was like binge watching Community for the first time in ages. I hadn't watched it in a yeah. long time. But the episode where uh, Ahmed makes the fake movie about oh, yeah, the making movie a movie, movie yeah, about yeah, Jesus, yeah. Uh, and then um, I, I always forget the character's name. Um, like the the, the the church the church faring uh, the, the mother of you know of several children who's there oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But essentially she says oh you're making a movie about making a movie oh, some of us have work in the morning and, like <laughs> and it, like yeah we had so many back and forths and you know agreements about how sp- like particular the meta humor should be and you know we always wanted to be more but we need to make it general and it was just kind of this back and forth that really got it for me in this really frustrating way which mm. I wish I'd heard that line because like it is like Sometimes people just kind of want those bigger stories, so I like that we managed to. I think we managed to find a level that, hopefully, that still, still, still felt in our wheelhouse, but could appeal to people. Again, I think the benefit of dogs. I think dogs are yeah. just a very universal and relatable concept that people can latch well, into. You know, as, as somebody who's a fan of both of your films, uh, I feel that there's certainly the the comedy sensibilities that you had in Top Knot were easily transferred to this and. There is a referential nature to your comedy, as you're saying, but, you know, if you watch, like, this will... I don't know what this will do for me, but anyway, I'm a big fan of the Angry Birds films. I think they're quite good. Um, You are very much entitled to that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, one of the things I found with kids' films is they're very self-referential... Like, they're referential with pop culture in a lot of Mm. different ways. And even though kids may not know what Mad Max is, they've not seen Fury Road or something like that, they're still... It's part of the, the... 
you know, pop culture language. That but kids, if you have not seen Fury Road, you have missed out on so you many. Haven't lived the life. You haven't lived a life. Go. You need to witness. Watch it now. <laughs> you need to witness. You need to witness some amazing the power of Fury Road. Yeah, shiny and cool. Yeah. Find a really awesome grandma or uncle to show you Fury Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just turn all the color off the TV. Yeah. Make it black and white. Yeah. And exactly. Just pump that. Yeah. But I, I wanted to bring it back to your pairing it back kind of mm. mentality. That's something that is applied to a lot of Australian films in a lot of ways and you know it's one of the things which I'm impressed about is that you know this is a third Red Dog film we you know we don't do franchises at all in Australia um, how do you deal with you know A working within a franchise and then B working with that kind of reducing the budget and stuff like that along the way I don't know because it's, it's like this is again a first for us we've never really thought we'd be doing a movie let alone a third of something and you know thirds yeah. are always kind of like tumultuous yeah it's, um, either, it's either real good or it's like Ace Ventura as a kid yeah like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say Son of the Mouse but then I was like that's a two <laughs> yeah that was that was the second one uh, yeah yeah um, I mean it's, we, you know we're navigating it as, as we go through it, it you know, it's not like we're in a studio system. It's not like we're kind of like there with like Marvel or whatever over your shoulders, and you're kind of like jumping into like you know, Tiger's world. But it yeah. is like you you have a pre-established audience. You have to kind of like work to that pre-established audience. Um, you want to do honor to the story and the characters that already pre-exist and an audience which already pre-exists. So for us, it was an amazing learning exercise as well. Just like we want to continue making films not just for ourselves but also for other people yeah. so we're going to have to learn to play in other sandboxes outside of our yeah. own thing yeah. but it's, it could be like you know one for me one for you who knows yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this feels like a one for you though and that's yeah. that's an impressive thing like at, ne- at no point during it did I ever feel like oh, these guys are doing something that somebody approached them to do like it feels like your project well we had to fall in love with it like the the only reason that we we could like see ourselves doing it was that we really fell in love with the story and it was like Mm -hmm. initially it was like that battle of like it's gotta be the way we'd like it but it was really falling in love with the story falling in love with Coco falling in love with you know this the beauty of like being there with your dog and kind of like yeah. living that life with your dog choosing you or forming this bond yeah which is super universal and I, again like you Dom with um, his partner was pregnant during this so yeah. he was about to become a dad so it's like you know he's moving into a different stage of his life I'm still just a terrible human being <laughs> but it's, it's sort of like um, he was moving on to a different part of his life yeah, I, was, I was growing up maturing like, he was growing up maturing and I'm just like being an Irishman man like child a, yeah, yeah. just like oh my god tell me tell me a story <laughs> I I um, some of my favorite movies have been super, you know, general. I like, you know, like I like very violent and I like very full-on films. Like a lot of the cult stuff that I grew up on is really hardcore. I still got a you know big heart for big, you know, family-friendly pictures. And it's 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 good to challenge yourself, like to do something entirely out of your wheelhouse. Um, I, I, th- I think it's good. Like um, that's some of the favorite films that we all grew up on are kids' films. So yeah. it's like, why not make something for everyone and not just for us? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Red Dog's just super unique though. Like I mean, yeah, one there's not too many like there's not too many extended universes in in in, in Australian cinema. Um, but it's also not Air like it's a, it, yeah. <laughs> but there's yeah, there's, like it's 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 still not a very I don't know like it's 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 it's, it's still a malleable 
yeah, sandbox, I guess, for lack of a better yeah. word, in, in a lot of ways, like the way they kind of jumped on the first one, and it's, and it's, it's I guess what Kuba was saying, it's a story about stories, yeah. and I think that's the one thing that made us coming in and doing this, we're just, we're just the next set of storytellers in this particular story. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 think that was, I think that was all it is. Well, and, we also and, did have to kind of throw some little thing to Japan, that's why we had Chico in there, that's why yeah. Sudafu is also the brand that Kreeb uses for we had his uh, allergies, commercial. so we had an anime commercial in there, At that couple point. as well. Yeah. But, um... You know, we had to throw lock, back lock. to Top Knot Detective in a way, subtly. And there are things in there that if you really look, you'll, you'll find it. Yeah, I find a little, little little stamp. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. It's good. It encourages the rewatch and all that kind of stuff. Um, in 3D, in 60 frames a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, how does it... Like, this is obviously... It's going out to a much wider audience mm. than Top Knot. How does that feel? Amazing. Like, I don't think we've ever... like. We've never had a film open in more than one cinema. <laughs> I mean, we struggled to get Ace to the screen when we finished yeah, yeah. Top Knot. Like, um, yeah, I, blown away, really. Like, I, I don't like we, like we we saw all of the cinema listings first, and we're like, you know, trying to push it out to people. And so I was like, cool, all right, it's playing here, it's playing here, all these places. And then like we actually heard the tally of the number of screens, and like, we both caught us a bit off guard. Like, and I'm sure by the yeah. least standards for much bigger films, the eighty-ish number is quite small but for us that was huge I'm like I mean, we had so many people spend their entire life trying to fight for time on one cinema screen yeah. right, to get 80 incredible I love that we really spent cool. a year kind of shopping around Top Knot to festivals and we did the festival run for ages and that was really the track that we had with this it was like you know pretty much we had one festival in the US the Heartland Film Festival and then it was right to cinemas here mm. which is fantastic and it's never really happened to us before no. um, but it's it's a new experience so we're going to see how, how yeah. it plays out yeah, yeah. and it's going to sh- uh, on demand or streaming in America? We, well or, you know the... it's been so with uh, Samuel Goldwyn to yeah. the US it will possibly do a VOD but we don't really have a lot of the details on that. It, that's above our pay grade. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's <laughs> a producer question. I, a, lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of that really depends how next week goes. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah essentially. Like, and and you know, if interest in the film, if people really dig it and it's strong yeah. enough, like there's you know, there's Roadshow could book more screens. So that's a real. If you're listening to this or you listen to it in time, please, yeah. uh, you know, please get out there and, and see it if you can. And seek it out. And if it's not playing at a cinema near you, like call your cinema up and ask for them to play it because demand equal supply yeah yeah politely us and don't demand them but yeah no no yeah. tell them no, 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 we'll no, come tell to your them. house exactly. it's a family movie it's by a family the way picture. <laughs> family it's a family picture it's a family movie we're making family movies yeah. Yeah. so there's a nod I, look you guys are probably the only people I could ask this and we'll wrap up in a second yeah. um, but you guys are probably the only people I could ask this but there is a nod to Thor in the movie yes <laughs> what's your opinion on the way that Marvel films are infecting Australian cinemas <laughs> That's my word, not no. so. In yeah. the words of Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I mean, like when the film came out, and this was like two thousand and twenty eleven. Yeah. Eleven, like yeah. when it first was, came out. That was, was like was, the, I was in the, I was in New York. Yeah, I think, that's on the second and, Marvel movie, right? Yeah, so was, like, yeah, it was. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the first time that it actually started branching out to the yeah. Avengers universe. I mean, you you're, you're seeing a world now where a studio. Well, let's say four studios, right, can basically block book out a whole cinema, meaning that an independent film or a small film or a film like us, which really doesn't have any P&A spend, can't even book a screen, or maybe we get a couple of sessions, but we can't really afford the advertising behind it because you're up against a juggernaut. We're releasing at a, at a time period now where there's not that many films around us for this week, mm. but next week, you know, not so much. 
and that's we're seeing that increasingly and increasingly sort of moving forward uh, with all Australian films and all sort of like very indie and small films which will try and buy any sort of eyeballs and space here it's a it's a really interesting sort of field I mean we're of a very different generation where it's like I, I'm not opposed to a streaming sort of sense I, I will watch The Irishman in a cinema but I will gladly watch it at home I think yes things have to change but it's going to be a larger discussion but we, you know, we don't want to move back to this studio system of basically one studio controls a cinema which will only play that studio's yeah. movies. But there are so many, so many moving parts in this, and there's like the more movies we make, the more you kind of see a little bit behind the curtain. Yeah. But uh, Warner Brothers owned that curtain, didn't they? <laughs> Originally, with I, uh, it's yeah. like. It's I, like, uh, they own that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe. It's, it's like, like someone owns a cut. Yeah, and yeah. you get a little peek behind it. But I, I'm seeing like the rises of like the Alamo Draft House, which is like super supportive to us mm. in the states. They are pushing to kind of do more independent films. We're seeing like these really interesting kind of like indie cinemas that will really push to kind of show older films and more unique like indie stuff from other filmmakers we need more of that in Australia but we just don't have as many kind of cinema chains that can facilitate that if someone wants to make an Alamo draft house here I would not be opposed we are very much down for that we will work at the bar I will work at the bar yeah for me and the question is I think there's two things I think I think think there's one they're separating the business model from the films themselves I think think those those films like superhero films it's been a long time coming I think they're still a dick load of fun I think there's still incredible characters and moments in it I think it's fantastic the business model behind the films sucks but second to that though there have been times in history where culture has become like a monoculture mm-hmm. like in the 80s like the handful of music labels and who in particular ones that had CD printing places owned everything and then that got disrupted hardcore so now it's come full circle and I, I think that happens with yeah. culture there is always going to be a counterculture so even if, if, if everything's coming from one studio there is always going to be something that bites back at that if you're a kind of history buff I would like go and dive into the history of comic books especially around 1993 1994 with mm-hmm. the number of comic book labels that were around at the time and then see what sort of happens when there's only three or four companies that control everything mm-hmm. things will get fractured but you'll invent brand new stories that will then reinvigorate those original four kind of labels and it'll just keep going back and forth yeah same with music yeah same with everything yeah. it's, it's always it's like, ebb and flow yeah books like did amazingly well and then no one wanted bookstores and now bookstores are coming back again like yeah. vinyl went off the so shelves because no one no one wanted vinyl and then yeah. it's coming back like and, and I'm now sure VHS is coming back so it, it's it's ebbs and flows who knows? Uh, but what I do know is if you want to see Coco... It's playing at cinemas right now around Across the country. Australia. And you're doing Q&A screenings in Perth as well. I'm doing it in Perth, but if you want to fly myself and Dominic Pierce to any state... If you've got, you got a cheeky, cheeky economic jet star, <laughs> jet star ticket line around, you want to pop us over to talk some... I'll even talk take some Tiger Airways. Mate, we will, I will enjoy that $7 heated pie. It will, mm. be, it will be good. But uh, yeah, no, we're, we're doing some Q&As. Uh, yeah, this week in support of the film. Hopefully, some more if they come. Like, we, I, I would love to get the film to a point that they would like us to come over and talk about it. You know, that would be fantastic yeah. if this little dog movie that could yeah. actually does all right. But I guess also not just for our film, which you know we're lucky enough to have like yeah. Village Roadshow behind us. Like any Australian film yeah. that's sort of made, like you, you have to amplify the voice of the industry around you, or else we don't really have an industry to yeah. continue with. Did you? Yeah.
Once again, that is directors Aaron McCann and Dominic Pierce talking about their fantastic film Coco, A Red Dog Story, which is currently in Australian cinemas right now as we speak, well, as I speak to you. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that interview and uh, hopefully you head along and go and see this movie. I was pretty passionate before the interview, even more passionate afterwards. I really want you guys to go and watch this movie. I, I love this film a lot and it's a film that works so well on the big screen. You will love it. And... You know, I, I really want you guys to go and see it and talk about it and share the love for it as well. Uh, it means a lot to me and it means a lot to the filmmakers and it means a lot to the Red Dog legacy as well. Thank you again for listening. It, it, it means a lot that you spend all this time to listen to these interviews and, and uh, listen to what I put out there on the curb. It means a lot. Uh, if you're not already following us on social media, almost a 1,000 likes on Facebook page. It would be great if we hit that before Christmas. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash thecurbau and also on Twitter, thecurbau there too. And head over to the website, thecurb.com.au to read reviews and all that kind of jazz. Thank you again, guys, and I will see you on the next episode. Look after yourselves. Take care of each other. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.